Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, winners and losers of the trade deadline edition. I will not regale you with stories of the past, but the first time we ever did a solo show on this podcast, we were reacting to last year's trade deadline. But this isn't about what happened before or sentiment or any of that stuff. We're going to talk about what happened today and what happened over the last couple of weeks that could change the fortunes of teams looking to break Tampa Bay's monopoly of the Stanley Cup. So let's dive right in. We're positive people first, so we're going to do winners, and we'll follow it up with a couple losers that we have to discuss as well. My first winner in the finest sequence of trade deadline day belongs to Billy Guerin and the Minnesota Wild, Marc-Andre Fleury. He was willing to only go to maybe a couple places, but Minnesota was one of them, and the Wild used that leverage to provide only a modest return for a potential game-changer in the Central Division bracket. If you're going to beat Colorado... You better come correct with goaltending, and it appears the Wild will be able to do just that. Chicago was desperate for a first-round pick. That's what they wanted in return for Flower, and they get it only by title because it is a conditional pick, and they're calling it a first-round conditional, but it's not. It's a second round with the condition of becoming a first-round pick, maybe if Minnesota gets to the third round. And it's a perfect compromise for the Wild because if the Chicago Blackhawks get what they want, again, that's a first-round pick, then Minnesota gets what it wants. They want two series victories. They want to beat the Colorado Avalanche in the second round. They want to go to the Western Conference Final and maybe the Stanley Cup Final with Marc-Andre Fleury in net. But not only did they get Fleury, they broke up their logjam in goal with not just a salary dump, but a sage maneuver to get even better. Moving Capo Kakinen to the San Jose Sharks, For Jacob Middleton, they get not just a defenseman, but a coveted asset around the entire league. You had great teams, Tampa Bay checking in, Florida checking in. Everyone around the league, or at least the people that watch San Jose Sharks hockey, know that Jacob Middleton is worth the money at $750,000. So not only did they get better in the goaltending position, they got better on defense as well. They sent away a problem, a guy they deemed could not win for them in net for a guy that's going to help this team even more this season. So all told, a conditional second, it's a second round pick. And a net miner that they didn't believe in anymore, at least right now, Garen solidified things on both the back end and in the crease. The Wild did tremendously well on trade deadline day. Another winner is the Colorado Avalanche, who, again, we've talked about a couple times here. 
Uh, but they're the best team in the league, and they had a tremendous deadline. They were not as aggressive as other great teams, and I think that paid off for them. They get the award for the best leverage used, even though Fleury's was pretty impressive as well in Minnesota. But being able to jump in front of the market and get Josh Manson because Josh Manson wanted to be with the Colorado Avalanche, just a perfect starting point for Joe Sackick here. The perfect ad in the perfect situation, getting a guy who really rounds out that defense core will play with Sam Gerrard and bring that stabilizing element. But not only did they get the perfect guy for the back end, they got the perfect guy from a utility, functional utility standpoint in the middle of their lineup in Terry Lekkonen of the Montreal Canadiens or previously of the Montreal Canadiens. And to get Lekkonen in and Manson, they did not give up a first rounder. They gave up two prospects, one of which is pretty high up in the system, but you know, if you're going to get rid of something, I mean, you got to pay to play. So two prospects, one of which is very good, and two second-round picks, meaning they saved their first-round pick, which is something that Joe Sackick endeavored to do. So that's a pretty reasonable price to pay if you're an elite team that is built to this moment where you are all in, but you're all in without having to mortgage your future entirely, which is a tremendous thing, I think, for the Colorado Avalanche, who are best suited still to be um, the Stanley Cup favorites at this point for sure they got two guys who can really help that along and uh they didn't have to give up too much so kudos to joe sackick and the colorado avalanche on the flip side of that was the montreal canadians who are unequivocal winners as well now it is easier to liquidate right if you're the selling team and you have things that people want it's very easy to make yourself look good But not every deadline for a seller goes as well as it went for Ken Hughes, who is a rookie on the job, by the way. And a lot of people are impressed with what he did because he set prices and he held firm on those prices and he got what he wanted in the end. So to recap, what they sent away, Ben Sherratt for a first round pick to the Florida Panthers and a little extra as well. Brett Kulak to the Edmonton Oilers for a second round pick. Tyler Toffoli, those two before, the two defensemen, they both had term or didn't have term. So unrestricted free agents out the door. You're getting what you get for them. Bonus. Tyler Toffoli, who did have term, he goes for another first round pick. And then Lekkanen, as I mentioned, uh, goes to Colorado for the second. And Justin Barron was the prospect I mentioned. He is very, uh, I think he was a former late round first rounder. So, uh, Uh, something that Montreal can certainly slide into their prospect shelf and feel very, very good about it. What they took back, I've kind of laid out here, but two first rounders, just to put it all into a package here, two first rounders, two second rounders, and selections in the fourth and fifth round, plus three prospects, including Justin Barron, Emil Heinemann, and Ty Smolanik. Lots, right? So it's impressive as a single haul when you just lay it out like that, but even better, honestly, when you break it down into its parts, where you see what they got for each individual, I mean, Ken Hughes has certainly passed the smell test in his first run on a trade deadline. Let's go to the Florida Panthers. Got to call them winners as well. You have to include them. Uh, They got the best D-man and the best forward in the entire rental market in the eyes of some in Claude Giroux and the aforementioned Ben Sherratt. They did pay premiums for both, most certainly. But this was a power move from this franchise. This was the move you make when you have the best team in the history of the franchise And you have to go through maybe the best team of the entire salary cap era in order to reach your goal, to get through the second round, to go to the Eastern Conference, the Stanley Cup final. You've got to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you've got to come guns a-blazing and you've got to make sure that the best team you've ever iced is good enough. You don't take chances with that sort of thing. And Billy Zito went 
after it, this trade deadline. Certainly a risk, though. Because of these moves, two first-round picks spent, they will not have a first-round pick for three years. 2025 is their next scheduled selection in the first round. I don't even think they're eligible to trade that pick yet. And if they could, they might have. But think about things, how things have changed here for the Panthers. Like this was like a dark, like a black hole in the NHL for so long. Claude Giroux, the biggest name traded at the deadline, without question. The guy, I guess Mark andre Fleury is up there as well. But the guy right now, he wanted to go there. He chose Florida as the destination. The number one free agent on the board chose Florida. And of course, in addition to that, they're one of the few teams that can realistically win the cup or believe in their hearts that they can win the cup this season. Like this is not a scenario in which the Florida Panthers have found themselves in historically here. Uh, so yeah, reason to go after it 100%. In the same vein as the Montreal Canadiens, we have the Seattle Kraken. Maybe their finest hour is the franchise. They've not been along for or around for very long, obviously, but uh, they actually had probably their best day uh, since they started things in the Pacific Northwest. Now, they went through the expansion draft, unable to both build a good team right away, but also unable to build a solid futures portfolio through the expansion draft, right? They tried to be, it, it was kind of a half-measured approach. Like they were stuck in the middle of trying to build for the future and be really good or be at least uh, decent right out, of, right out of the shoot. They picked some good players and it just hasn't worked and they kind of had some futures, but they kind of wasted some picks as well. But in dealing six players, making five deals, they have had that moment where they've set up the, for the future now in these past few hours here. They sent six players out, uh, one of which was their captain, Mark Giordano. Colin Blackwell went from with him to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Marcus Johansson went back to the Capitals. Mason Appleton went back to the Jets. Jeremy Lozon was sent to Nashville, and Callie Yarncroft was sent to Callie Yarn or uh, um, the Calgary Flames. Coming back in return, four seconds, two thirds, and several more draft picks in the later rounds. They now have nine picks in the first four rounds in the next two drafts. So 18 picks in the top four over the next two drafts. That is the foundation in which this team will be properly built. That is, if we trust Ron Francis to be better in amateur drafts than he was in expansion drafts. Last winner, before a couple honorable mentions. The Calgary Flames also have to be there. It's been a touch reckless, I think, but also very, very purposeful, right? And it really has been purposeful from Trill Living since the end of last season. Like they've just went out there and filled gaps at an efficient and uncompromising level. In the last few weeks alone, they've plugged holes this season, two in the middle six, one on the fourth line, and they paid premium premiums for all of those. But you pay premiums to reward your team for an outstanding season, to reward your organization for this revamped and refocused um, situation under Daryl Sutter. And why wouldn't you reward them? They're playing, they're the class of the Pacific Division. They're playing extremely well. And they're looking around at the other teams in the Western Conference thinking, well, we're better than Vegas. We're better than Edmonton. We're better than LA. We should get to the Western Conference final. And if we play Colorado, you know, we've seen them a couple times and we played them very competitively. So if you're Calgary and you're Brad Living, like he's been at it for a while now. He's been at it for a while. 
and he has expertly filled these holes. Again, it's cost a lot, but that's what you do when you have a chance to win. This has been like the take-home message of this entire trade deadline, is that teams that have a realistic shot have went after it, and only one of them can have success in the end or the success that they expect to have in the end. But that shouldn't deter teams in the future. Go after it if you have a chance. Calgary, as good of an example as any of this uncompromising approach toward being the best team they can possibly be. Pretty impressive what Trill Living has managed to do this season. As I mentioned, honorable mentions. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, I said before, they have one move. They have one bullet to fire, and it's probably for a scoring winger. They went out and got that scoring winger in Ricard Raquel. He should fit probably in the second second line with Evgeny Malkin and give them a little boost. It's going to be fun to watch Pittsburgh take one more run at it. New York Rangers, also pretty positive day. It seems like they're really cornering the market on those guys who are kind of lower in the lineup and, you know, add some grit and toughness and play the quote unquote right way. Um, But to sit back and to get Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott for very little at the end when it seems like other teams had already used what they could and take advantage of that scenario. Rangers also added Frank Vitrano for basically nothing. Like that's a full third line for very little. So kudos to Chris Jury for getting that done. Anaheim Ducks as well. They probably should be elevated beyond honorable mentions because I've mentioned like Seattle and Montreal as teams that did really well selling. The Ducks actually did incredibly well selling as well. Uh, they moved in a lot of bodies. They weren't sort of, they didn't get caught up in the success that they had early in the season. They knew what they had to do this deadline. They knew they had to send some bodies out. They know they have to build from behind Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, John Gibson. Uh, they made the right decisions in turning over the roster. It probably just means that, you know, the steps we thought they were taking, you know, maybe it's one more step back before they can take multiple steps forward. Among players, there are winners as well. Uh, Nick Paul goes from Ottawa to Tampa Bay, enough said. Anton Forsberg gets a three-year deal that will pay him almost $3 million annually for the next three years in Ottawa. That's awesome because this guy was literally on waivers like every other day last season. And now he's going to make at least $9 million or close to over the next three seasons. That's great for him. Andrew Cogliano going to the Colorado Avalanche. He could be their 12th or 13th forward. I mean, that's a dream for him. And Arturi Lekkanen, like this guy's restricted free agent at the end of the season. He's going to Colorado as well. What better way to build up uh, your leverage in negotiations by joining that moving freight train and having a huge impact like he did in last year's postseason with the Montreal Canadiens. So opportunities for those four players. Well, I guess Anton Forsberg seized his opportunities, but for Paul Cogliano and Lekkonen, what a day for them. Uh, Let's move on to the losers. And we got to go with Nick Paul's former team, the Ottawa Senators. Um, it's been it's been a comedy of errors for the Pierres this season. I've said it many times, we've got to get cameras on these guys. Even if what's what happened has been sort of sort of like trivial, like we're talking about mistakes made around the ninth, tenth best forwards on the teams. Like it's not a big deal. But they've shown nothing this season but questionable asset management. The, the biggest laugher of the day was Travis Hamnick for a third round pick when earlier in the season he was on waivers, you could have had him for free. You could have had him all year for free and next year for free. And instead you invested a third round pick into a player whose performance is waning, but also has 
very like lots of noise about questions about his or lots of questions about his um conduct in the room or how he's received by his teammates just not a good look from the senators um and he's going to be around next year when you're trying to add the new guys into the lineup who are impressionable like uh, it just doesn't make that much sense to me or any sense at all really um and then you know they went out and they got really excited right we saw the the, the Pierre's are really excited at the start of the season they think that the rebuild is over they're ready to contend they go out and get zach sanford in a trade and then because it didn't work out he's a pending ufa they trade him for a fifth so he was acquired for le- acquired for less um and now they trade him for a fifth round pick like it's just another example of value cratering for players in ottawa like you come to ottawa and you're worth you're like a your car coming off the out of the showroom immediately you're worth less if you end up in ottawa it was a short-sighted move in the first place they weren't ready and now forever it's on record as a net negative one it just didn't make sense and unfortunately the hammock acquisition makes less sense to the canucks also losers i think i mean it's easy to make the comparisons between kent hughes and patrick alvin Um, but one of the rookie general managers certainly had a better day, and that was Kent Hughes. It is hard not to conclude that Vancouver overplayed its hand with Tyler Mott. This was a guy who was generating a lot of interest in the trade market and wound up going to the New York Rangers for a fourth-round draft pick. You know, able to take advantage of Ottawa and trading Hamannick there soothes the pain a little bit. But this team, you know, it's hard to argue that they made, that they took positive steps today. Like Luke Shen still being on the roster after himself generating some buzz in the market. He's going to be around next year and you can use him next year, but wouldn't it have been better to get an asset and start flipping this roster over? JT Miller, I mean, he's lost some value on the trade market because now he's only available for one postseason run if you trade him this summer or sometimes next, sometime next year. You had the chance to give a team two postseasons of JT Miller but you wanted to keep him around and that's fine. I guess maybe you can extend them and maybe that'll work out, but it seems like this, they got to start over a little bit. And JT Miller was one guy who made all the sense in the world to bring back something real in return. They didn't do it. Same with Connor Garland. Like there's more run on his contract, but if you wanted to get out from underneath it, I think they probably had the opportunity to, and they didn't. This team needs to turn over the roster and Hamannick and Mott for, you know, Decent for Hamannick, not so much for Mott. That barely serves as a start. It's barely a starting point. A couple extra picks in the draft this year. Another loser is the Carolina Hurricanes. I I feel like they were waiting for something to fall in their laps and how Max Domi performs in a Carolina sweater will determine if that was the right strategy. They're really, like, Max Domi's a big name, but he's got a bigger name than he has in terms of his impact, right? Bigger name than he is an impact player. They're the one team, if you don't consider him a splash, that didn't make a splash, right? Like he projects on this team to be a fourth liner, maybe pairing with Jesperi Kotkaniemi, they could serve as some sort of like fourth line mismatch for the Hurricanes who might have a better and more energetic fourth line than most other teams who bring energy and not necessarily scoring punch. But, you know, this isn't a player who really moves or moves the needle for this team and they're fading a bit in the standings. They didn't really react. And maybe that's a good thing, but it could also be that they're slipping behind teams like Florida and Tampa Bay who went out there and got better. It is interesting that 
Carolina gave a max extension or a max term extension to Jesperi Kotkaniemi because, you know, what's more likely to be true when, when suggesting that Domi could have a big impact is that the cost on Kotkaniemi to offer sheet him last year is what forced Don Waddell to kind of be conservative here while everybody else was out there improving. So they doubled down on the Kotkaniemi thing. Not saying that's optics. They got him for less than $5 million. It may turn out beautifully because this is still a young player. But, you know, they're a great team this year. And there are other great teams and other great teams that were far more uh, purposeful here in their trade deadline strategy. See how that all works out for Carolina. The last loser is the Vegas Golden Knights. Officially now, I think. This team has bit off more than it can chew. Uh, it looked like they failed to move Evgeny Dadanov, who was the single most questionable addition of the entire offseason last offseason. And a perfect illustration of Vegas's hands are completely tied. Like they can't do anything because they can't even move this player who they don't want anymore and is kind of tying up their cap. They did eventually move him after the buzzer, it seems, to Anaheim. And because of that reason, he's not going to be available for any postseason run for Anaheim, but they're not going to the postseason, so it's okay. But it doesn't, moving Dadanov, make it any less likely that they miss the postseason, them being Vegas. Like, they were the only thing they could do at this trade deadline because of everything else they've done to try and get better so quickly, so desperately, was trying to just offload a mistake that they made earlier. And they had to pay to do it. So not a great look for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's it for winners and losers, but there is one more controversy brewing, and that is Kyle Dubas versus Kyle uh, Davidson. Uh, I'm not suggesting this is a Brian Burke, Kevin Lowe situation where there's been a request issued uh, to um, set up a barn fight, Um, but these two guys are clearly not getting along at the moment. A report came out over the weekend that the Leafs were in discussions with Chicago in a deal that would involve Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Brandon Hagel coming to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Peter Mrazek, so a salary dump, Matthew Nyes, and two first-round picks. And Brandon Hagel ended up going for two first-round picks to the Tampa Bay Lightning on the weekend as well. So, I mean, that is a show-stopping deal. Worth reporting, certainly, if you're Darren Dreger, who did report it for TSN. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. But Kyle Dubas did not find it interesting. Um, He's very angry. And I guess Kyle Davidson's kind of unbothered with his response. Uh, He doesn't seem all that phased being a rookie general manager and being called out in the media. I do understand, though, why Dubas would be a little angry. And it's because, you know, this is an understandable frustration because it's a frustrated GM, right? It's tacit admission, this report coming out, that his goaltending, and he believes that it's not good enough and it's not, probably. But now he's tacitly admitting to it, which puts more and more pressure and more scrutiny under the goaltenders struggling under his watch, under the weight and pressure of expectation. Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic know. Well, Jack Campbell knows that they were going for an upgrade. They maybe don't believe in him being the starter in the postseason. Peter Morazic knows they're trying to get rid of him. So a situation bordering on untenable or getting pretty shaky back there is now maybe a little more flimsy because Jack Campbell has been dealing with, you know, the psychological aspect of all this. And Peter Morazic has, you know, the, the bright, the lights have proven to be too bright for him so far. 
And now this is even more pressure. So I understand why Kyle Dubas is, is bothered. But at the same time, you made your own bed. You gambled, if you're Kyle Dubas, on Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic. And you went out there and you looked for an upgrade. And not everything, not every conversation will be kept under wraps. And I think that's something that, you know, maybe this is a learning point for him as well. Uh, there was a report earlier, there was discussion about like how GMs kind of only talk to a couple of G- And this is probably why, because maybe they only trust a few to make sure that discussions are held behind closed doors. And of course, Kyle D- Davidson is completely new to this. Rookie general manager took over Stan Bowman only a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, I guess they learned something, those two about each other, the Kyle's feuding uh, behind uh, whether it's Slack messaging or whatever general managers use these days uh, to communicate with one another. A very, very interesting scenario and something for Maple Leaf fans to chew on and talk radio and everything and us to chew on because uh, clearly the Leafs not that comfortable with who they have in net and that has been an issue in the past. Uh, we will leave it there. Trade deadline in the books. Lots of new things to... Uh, to discuss as we move forward here and we will do that on this podcast as we gear up for the stanley cup playoffs it's almost that time again i cannot wait ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.